Well, they asked me, I'm supposed to come up with a sermon title every week. And of course, I persecute the guys who are, you know, anybody preaching up here, I persecute all of them, right? We all have to have a sermon title. Mrs. Wolf has to have a sermon title. Chris has to have a sermon title. Zach has to have a sermon title. Any of you want to preach, you're going to have to have a sermon title, okay? Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's true, too. And so, uh, so the, the uh, sermon title today is Bold Living. Bold Living. Bold Living. Everybody say Bold Living. So it's a bit of a digression. We started with one theme a few weeks ago. We have digressed off of it progressively. And now we are out here in complete digressionville. So today is just like, um, it's a standalone, but it does tie in. Because last week, as we were finishing last week's thoughts, there were some notes at the end of last week's message that were like uh, exploding off the page to me, but I didn't have time to cover them. And so I thought, you know, those are, those are, that's a, just a great, that's a great um, segue into this week. And so I want to talk a little bit about that because it pertains to part of what we were what we were dwelling on over the last couple of weeks was just having a big heart, living out of a healed heart, living out of a reconciled heart, living out of a big heart, living out of a heart of peace, a heart that's restored, a heart of joy, living out of an inward perspective, really, that you are victorious, that, that you are already an overcomer, a victor, a winner, before you ever get anywhere. Even as the Holy Spirit hovers over your room waiting for you to wake up, even as Jesus, your heavenly lover, is rejoicing when you wake up and rejoicing at fellowship the moment you open your eyes, there is a demonic realm that is trembling when you open your eyes, or should be. And as your, as your heavenly lover is saying, oh boy, he or she is awake again. Boy, are we going to have fun today. Ephesians 2.10. There's already cool things that I've prepared in advance for them to walk in. We are going to have an amazing day today, right? And even as much as that's happening, hopefully up out of your life, hopefully up out of, out of your, your actions, your faith, your, your, your crazy living, there is also a trembling that happens, a scattering that happens, a, an oh no that happens. Oh no, they're awake again. Persecution, trouble, is about to start. Yeah? What? We got quiet in here now. Don't you run around persecuting the devil? Acts 10, 38, this is why Jesus came, was to destroy the works of the devil. This is part of your part of your day. Why are you looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate? This is part of part of your daily endeavor is to wake up to go about destroying the works of the devil. He went about doing good. He was anointed of God. He went about doing good, destroying the works of the devil. For God was with him. Yes? A couple of verses on that. First John 3 as well. There's a few verses that talk about that element. And that's 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 what I believe God wants for you. I believe that that's what God desires for you. And, and I want to talk about having that big heart. I want to somehow frame some of this in such a way that, 
that their hearts are made bigger today. I want our hearts to be bigger today to, to live this way. Amen? So when I think about bold living, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about that our hearts are, our hearts, there's a reinforcement of the heart. Remember last week I said that doubt and unbelief will always justify itself when you look back. Doubt and unbelief will always justify itself when you look back. You felt like you should uh, invest in that property, and and then you you didn't. And and then the car broke down, and some things came along, and then you're glad you didn't. You you felt like you should have given into that offering, and and then you didn't, and then troubles came, and and you used that money that you would have put in that offering, and, and so, boy, you look back, you're sure glad you didn't give that offering. Almost always, when you look back, and you chose doubt and unbelief instead of faith and boldness and courage and risk-taking, when you look back circumstances will justify your failure to act upon the courage that God ordained for you to walk in. But when you walk by faith, when you walk by the voice, when you walk by the Word, when you walk as royalty, when you walk in the boldness that God has called you to, when you walk in what God has ordained for you, when you look back, you're going to be so glad you did. Because faith will also justify itself. And what happens when faith justifies itself is it changes something about you on the inside. It bolsters something on the inside of you. It's exactly why David didn't start with Goliath. He started with a lion and a bear. Because there's a progression of growth that God does with every single one of us. And when we will take the little steps of risk, the little steps forward, the little steps, when we will take those little steps forward out of a knowing on the inside of us that God is with us, out of a full assurance that we are the children of God, when we will take those little steps, then faith will be justified. Faith will be justified, and there will come something on the inside of your gut that will get hungry for more. It will get hungry for a Goliath in your life. So part of what I want to talk about today is the importance of action how it's important that we, that we take action, that we do not hesitate. We do not delay. We do not procrastinate. We do not let action steps be stolen from us, that we live very aggressively. I believe the Christians, the believers, should be the most aggressive people on the planet, the most aggressive people at living on the planet, because you can't fail with God. Why can't you fail? Because even if you fall, you've got somebody who will pick you up, who will dust you off, who will show you where you missed it and put you right back on a path of victory. Do 
James chapter 2, starting at verse 14. I want to go there, James chapter 2, verse 14. I want to talk to you out of this particular portion. We'll read this as fast as we can. I've got more to say than I can say today, but we'll read this particular portion quickly. I just want you to see again here the importance of works that flow out of faith, works or action, action that flows. So I went to the Greek, and I'm looking at the word works because the King James is the word works. The New American Standard is the word works. So then I wanted to see what it was in the Greek in a linear translation, and the word there is acts or it's action which really, which really uh, galvanized my thinking that it's corresponding action. It's, it's corresponding action that flows out of our faith. Corresponding action flows out of our faith. And that when there's that combination of inward believing and then corresponding action, then we've got this one-two duo that cannot be stopped. James 2.14 what use is it, my brethren, if somebody says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? Now, the topic here is save him, and that's kind of the context. But I want you to see that it's, it's the moving of every mountain. Salvation is an invitation into the faith realm. God is a faith God, and salvation is an invitation into the faith realm where you begin to hear the voice, and to be led by faith or to walk by faith is really to be led by the voice. It's to be led by the Word. It's to be led by the voice of God. To walk by faith is to walk by the Word of God. When God would visit them, and it talks about this in Genesis 3, 8, it says that God would come in the cool of the day. The voice of the Lord would be walking in the garden. This is interesting. The voice of the Lord would be walking in the garden. It's the Word of God. They, they were led by the voice of God. We are those who walk by faith. It was this way in the beginning. When God re-engaged with man through Abraham, we see he becomes the father of those who walk by faith, those who live by faith. God was not doing something new. He was re-engaging with that which he did with Adam in the beginning. From the beginning, Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. The just, Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. The, the just, those who are righteous, those who have a right relationship with God, will have their very essence flowing out of the faith realm. The very essence of their life will flow not out of their works, but out of the faith realm. That is them attuning to the voice of God, and their works will flow out of the voice that they hear. So God is visiting them in Genesis 3, 8, and we, we see that it's the voice of the Lord walking with Adam in the cool of the day. So the context here in James chapter 2 is saving faith, but I want you to see that salvation is your invitation into the faith realm. It's your invitation into walking by faith. He goes on to give us more examples. Verse 15, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? What use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead 
being by itself. Now, this is interesting because here James is telling us, you who have abundance, you who are connected to abundance, you who are one with abundance, you who who are interrelated with abundance, when you run into those with need and you don't give as if you have abundance, why wouldn't you give? We wouldn't give or we would withhold from giving because we consider ourselves as those lacking abundance. If you consider that you are not one with abundance, interconnected with abundance, knit to abundance, an inheritor of abundance, abundance is normal for you if you don't see. If you don't see that you are one of abundance, then when you run into one with need, then you don't give. You just simply pray over them because you don't see yourself as a channel of abundance or a partaker of abundance. So now your faith is not full, and the faith that you have is not manifesting in works or corresponding action. Or maybe you are here this morning, and you're thinking, well, I hold it, hold it, hold it. I don't identify with any of those things you just said. I believe I'm one with abundance. I believe I'm knit to abundance, covered by abundance, partaker of abundance, I, 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 I have a life of abundance. I believe all of those things. Why are you saying that to me? Well, then, when you run into someone who has a need and you don't give, then you are not corresponding your actions to your faith. And so now you're not working your faith. Faith is a spiritual muscle meant to demonstrate the power of God through you. Faith is a bursting forth of the grace of God that is on you, in you, over you, and flowing through you. That's what faith is. And so if you say, well, I'm one with abundance, I believe I'm one with abundance, but then you run into needs and you don't, you don't share out of your abundance, then you are failing to walk with corresponding, corresponding action. So now you're not engaging your faith. So now your faith is as if it were dead. So now unbelievers around you or struggling people around you or discouraged people around you or sick people around you or distressed people around you cannot partake, cannot, in, be, in, cannot be lifted because you aren't using your faith. So they don't even know that you've got faith because your faith is as good as dead because faith without corresponding action is as good as dead. So they might hear you're a Christian. They might even see the bumper sticker on your car. But if you're not willing to spend your faith, if you're not taking a risk with your faith, then they think your faith is dead. And your faith is not producing life in them. Remember what Paul said? Paul said, I spend myself for you that it might produce life in you. This is what we do. Amen? Were we reading the Bible? Even so, if it has no works... Faith is dead, being by itself. But someone may say, you have faith and I have works, or you have faith and I have corresponding action. Show me your faith without the works, the action, and I will show you my faith by my works or my corresponding action. 
Okay, let's move forward off of this, but I want you to see, do you see the, do you see the importance of this? I want you to meditate on James chapter 2 even more. Mark that, make that a meditational portion of Scripture this week, if you would, and, and let the Holy Spirit quicken you that God is, God is enabling you unto action. God is enabling you unto action. And when we spend ourselves being tapped into Him who is supreme, Him who is sufficient, Him who is abundant, when we spend ourselves, we engage, we engage the resources of heaven. Right? Jesus said, when you go out, go out, He said to His disciples, go out and make of yourself purses that don't wear out. That's, inter- that's crazy. How do you do that? Because there's, there's stuff coming in and stuff going out all the time. But the going out is related to the coming in. This, this, this storehouse that you have of love, of ministry, of, of wealth, of sufficiency, it's interrelated to you taking risky action, to you being a risk-oriented person, living boldly, living courageously, because you truly are a son or a daughter of God. You believe it? I believe that we have to act. We, we have to act like the promise of kingship, the promise of royalty, the promise of sonship, the promise of priesthood over our lives is actually true. We have to act like God can't lie. We have to act like God is with us even if we've blown it. Now, I really felt this morning, and I'll hover on that maybe in a moment or two, but I really felt like part of, part of what keeps us holding back is a sin consciousness. And a sin consciousness is sometimes interrelated to sin. Anybody ever sin in the building? Five of you, praise the Lord. Good. All right, so the rest of, the rest of you won't even understand what I'm talking about right now. But, but I really believe that this is part of Satan's tactic is that every time you blow it, Every time you blow it in your mind, every time you blow it with your mouth, every time you blow it in your actions, then there is an accusing work of Satan over your life to stifle your courage as a bold son or daughter of God. And you have to push that back. You literally have to push that back and say, no, you have to, you have to in spite of what you've done, do any, you know, I've, I've had four of them, have any wolf children ever not acted like a wolf? You, you don't know. You, you're kidding me. You, you've tattled on my children a hundred times. Huh? You, you know they haven't always acted. Carla knows. Carla knows they haven't always acted like a wolf. Okay, yeah, there we go. Derek knows. Derek knows. Okay. Does that make them not a wolf? Aren't they genetically mine? If they act outside of the character of the wolf family, does that separate them from me? Does that... Does that... Why do we allow the enemy to do this to us? Why do we allow the enemy to grab our heart, our mind, our confidence, our boldness, even the courage that would flow out of bold living, and to keep us from this, this 
sonship life, this kingly life, this royal life. And I'm not talking about pampering yourself. I'm talking about living boldly as a son or a daughter of God. You are the head and not the tail. Sometimes we find ourselves living like the tail. You are above and not beneath. Faith in the favor of God on your life, the goodness of God toward you, the friendship with God that you now share through Jesus. Faith in that, faith in that, faith in that that is springing up in action, in corresponding action, in bold living. I want to mention to you there's two kinds of faith. So we're talking about faith this morning. And I want to define this a little bit. We're talking, there's two kinds of faith I want to mention, uh, and, and I believe this is important. Number one, there's the faith that brings you into sonship. There's the faith that brings you into becoming a child of God, right? So this is John 1.12. John 12. John 1.12. But as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were not born, who, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Any believers in the building this morning? Now this this is this is that basic salvation faith. This is where you've responded. Has anybody done this, by the way? Has anybody responded to God in saving faith? Do most, does everybody, does anybody in the building have an arm that works? The same exact people. Okay, good. All right. Okay. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, so this is saving faith. When we, when we believe upon Jesus, then it says, to them He gave, to them He gives the right, the power, one translation says, to become the children of God. We're born of God. We're born of the Spirit because we believed upon Him as our covering, our representative, our salvation. This is our invitation into the walk of faith. This is our invitation into the Abraham life. God chases down Abraham, comes to him, and and comes to him with the voice of the Lord, calls him to be his son. This is our invitation. Then there's a second kind of faith. The second kind of faith is the faith that comes by hearing His Word progressively and out of revelation. As we walk with Him, as it was in Genesis, as we walk with Him, then the Holy Spirit, now that we've come into this invitation through salvation, and we've become sons and daughters of God, we've become a royal priesthood, we've become kings and priests unto Him, we've become a set-apart people, then, as we come into that, there is the faith that comes out of daily hearing His voice because His voice carries in it the power to reproduce or to bring forth what He's saying. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? 
This is the word, this is the word we refer to it here, the word most frequently that we understand to be rhema. There's the logos, the logos, that's the written word, and then there's the rhema, that's the living word, the word that the Holy Spirit touches your heart with, so that gives us two kinds of faith. Now, what happens is that sometimes I think not having a rhema, not having a rhema, like go and do this, go and buy that property, go and marry that woman. Some of you, that wouldn't be a good idea because you're already married to one, so you don't want to have two. Not having a rhema, not having a clear directive from the Lord, sell your house, buy another house, get the pastor a Christmas present. Not having one... Not having one of these rhemas, then what happens is I think that that we we regress a bit or we pull back from bold, confident living. It was out of saving faith, it was out of God calling. It was out of God calling, and, and we can find inferences and, and we can find all sorts of examples where people needed a word from God or God brought them a non-salvation word. Once they entered into a walk with God, the walk of faith, the walk of responding to the voice, we can find many instances in the Word where God then brought instruction to people. They acted out of that instruction with boldness, and it brought forth a great result. It gave them advancement. It gave them progress. But we can also find examples where the people of God acted out of courage because... God was with them. And I believe in our modern, charismatic, prophetic day and age, we sometimes get to thinking that if we don't have a word from God, that we, we better chill, we better calm down, we better be quiet, we better be cool, we better be careful. Can you relate to what I'm saying? But I believe that God wants you to be bold. I believe that God wants you to be bold. He wants you to have bold action. He wants you to live in a risk-taking manner. He wants you to live out of that which you have become, children of God, sons and daughters of God, a royal priesthood, a kingdom that cannot be stopped or conquered. Did you know that you're all of that even without another rhema? If you, got, if you didn't get another rhema at all, you are all of that. Now, we believe in the prophetic realm here. Obviously, we're developing the prophetic realm here. We believe in the confirmation of the word of the Lord through prophecy. We believe in the testimony of Jesus over your life. We believe the Lord wants to sing out of your destiny over you. We believe all of that. But if you, if you are like feeling like a worm until you get another word from God, I just need somebody to prophesy over me. I just, I just need a word from God. I just... I don't know. I don't know. I just if you're feeling then push it back. Push it back way back. Isn't that a cheer? If you if you if you're feeling like you can't go on without a prophecy, you you can't go on without somebody reading your mail, you can't No, obviously it's encouraging. 
Obviously, the, the ministry of prophecy is to edify, to console, to exhort. It, it does strengthen the inner man to hear from somebody else, especially somebody who doesn't know us, right? But I think, I think that, that you and I would do well to push back. You and I do, would do well to act upon what we already know. If you will act upon what you already know, it will surprise you what's going to happen. You already know a bear can be taken out by you and your God. You already know a lion is nothing for you and your God. You already know that you have the victory in every situation. You believe that? You already know that He can bring good out of bad. Every time somebody comes to you and they bring you a testimony, boy, that looks really bad. Exactly. Isn't that wonderful? Why is that wonderful? Because God can bring good out of bad. The promise of Romans 10.28 is still good today, that He works all things to the good. He works all things to the good for those who love Him. For those who love Him, for those that are called according to His purpose, He works all things to the good, even the bad. 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 He can work good out of the bad. You already know that. If you never have another prophetic word, if you never have another chunk of oil thrown on your forehead, if you never have another prophet spit in your face, if you never have any other experience like that whatsoever, if you're never slain in the Spirit, I, I don't know what that is, what that slain is, some fall out in the Spirit. Uh, if that would just happen to me, then I could go on and do something in God. If I could do something great. I could start a business. I could go back to school. I could get my education. I could do something really good if I would just, if I would just be laid out in the spirit for a while. Really? That's what you need? The the God of the universe sent His Son to purchase, redeem, restore you. And you got to have more than that. Push it back, push it back, way back. You have believed a lie. You have come under a lie. You have yielded to a deception. You don't need one more prophetic word for you to be an overcomer tomorrow, not just in your heart, but with your actions. It's time for you to go forward. It's time for you to buy that property. It's time for you to go back to school. It's time for you to start that business. It's time for you to go on outreach. It's time for you to go on a mission trip. It's time for you to do something you've never done before. It's not time to retire. It's time to refire. Refire the turban of action, knowing that you're a child of God. See, I really do believe that your risk taking lifestyle does play into your self esteem. And if you look back at yourself and you keep seeing that you play it safe, and you keep seeing that play it safe gets you nowhere, then you're actually feeding the devil's lie over you that you are nothing. You're feeding the devil food for him to continue to declare over you that you're worthless, that you're a worm, that you don't get it, that you're a bundle of negativity. 
You're feeding the enemy. God's not feeding him. You're feeding him as long as you continue a passive lifestyle of not moving forward and not taking aggressive steps. Take a risk. Believe God is with you. Even if you make a mistake, God will rescue you out of trouble. Wouldn't you rather do something and try than do nothing and fail because you did nothing? Are you holding back from risk because you're not sure if God is with you? Where is that coming from? Is that coming from this sin consciousness? You constantly allowing your thoughts, constantly allowing your thoughts and your imaginations to be negative about yourself, listening to self-despising thoughts, wormy thoughts, negative thoughts, sin-conscious thoughts, constantly replaying shame and condemnation in your mind. That's not who you are. You are a new creation. Even when you make mistakes, your DNA declares you are victorious, you belong to God, you're of His family, you are an overcomer, and you cannot look at your own mistakes or circumstances or failures and let that determine whose family you belong to or what your nature is. You have to look at the Word of God. You even have to look against your own emotions and know that you are a victorious one and start to agree and start to superimpose that victory over everything that you do, everything you say, everything that you are. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11 just for a moment. Hebrews chapter 11. I love this passage. I love the passage because um, it talks about corresponding action. I love that. Corresponding action. It's time for you to do something you've been dreaming about for a long time. It's time for you to do something you've been dreaming about for a long time. God is with you. God is with you. He probably put the dream in your heart 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and you're waiting on another word from God when it was His still small voice that put the dream in your heart. It was His still small voice that put the dream in your heart and you've been waiting on another word from God and God's waiting on you to work the word you've got. Work the word you've got. Work the word you've got. Hebrews 11. I'm going to ask the band to come as we read this. Hebrews 
Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. Approval, approval, approval. This is weird. When you act upon faith, God stamps this crazy thing in your heart that nothing else can replicate. All of our millions of happy sermons about how you're loved by God cannot take the place of you acting upon His Word and the stamp, the stamp of approval that comes because you acted on the Word. There's something special. There's something, there's something powerful that comes from God It's not just love. We know that God loves us. We know that God loves us. We know that that God has embedded His love in us, that He's brought us in to a nearness through, in, and by love. But when we act upon His Word as truly beloved children, working out of faith, not working to earn, but working because... Not working to get approval, but working out of approval, then there's some kind of a stamp that comes from God that is just crazy. And it gives you a boldness and a confidence that will blow your mind. And when you have a boldness and a confidence about who you are in the Lord, you just want to love everybody. You want to love everybody. You're not envious of anybody, you're not jealous of anybody. You don't want to get over on anybody. You're not mad at anybody. Nobody's got your stuff. You're not worried that somebody's got your stuff. You're not looking down on anybody. You feel and sense and can see tangibly the fulfillment of God on your life, and this is giving you a bigger heart to love. It's giving you a bigger heart. of. It's giving you less of a struggle with the fruit of the Spirit. And more victory over the works of the flesh. Why? Because every time you act on who you are, He shows up and testifies, this is my beloved Son. This is my beloved Son. Hebrews 11. Let's stand. My second closing. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God, so that that which is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now I love this. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith. How would he have known? Except by the voice. Except by the voice. By following the voice, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts through faith. Though he is dead, he still speaks. Jump down to verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, being warned, the voice, here's the voice again, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Remember, it had never rained before. They didn't even know what rain was. But 
by this action he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by and going out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance, he went out not knowing where he was going. He followed the voice. He followed the voice. He believed in the hand of God on his life. Heads bowed, eyes closed for a moment. What is it you've been putting off? What is it that keeps you quiet? What is it that assaults your mind, assails your mind? The Lord says, push it back. Push it back. You truly are a son of God. You truly are destined for greatness. Destined for ruling and reigning. You truly are victorious already. You truly are leaning into this relationship. Leaning into this opens up even greater the voice of the Lord over your life. I invite you into boldness this morning. I invite you into boldness. I invite you into boldness. I invite you into a freedom. I invite you into an expression, a crazy expression of aggressive living doing what you've not done, doing what you've only dreamed of doing, living at a higher level than you've ever lived, believing fully and then acting fully that you are God's favorite in the earth. You are God's favorite in the earth. Hands up this morning. Let's just pray this together. Father, I receive. Come on, say it together with me. Father, I receive from you the privileges of Jesus, the blessings of Jesus, the victories of Jesus.